0: we are creative we're clear and we're curious Um, and so it's going to be very curious very creative in 2020 so you'll see lots more of me out there in the world
1: how do you find the courage to try can you distill the clarity to start what drives real commitment to keep going let's deconstruct complexity and make it simple let's learn how to take action and make progress i'm pete seligman and this is the next step What would be the best way to describe who you are now and kind of the main points about what got you to here?
0: So I guess the non-LinkedIn bio is that, um, so in 2016 is when I got really interested in smart city space. So I was working for the government, state government um, at the time. And I did a engineering exchange to South Korea for three months. So I lived there for three months and um, I was looking at all things smart cities, autonomous vehicles, connected vehicles, as well as construction. And I just had a really great time and learnt a lot. So after that, after I came back to Australia, um, at the time I was working in construction um, back in Australia, but I really wanted to work overseas and this opportunity came up. So I had to say yes, uh, of course. And then when I came back, I was like, I can't go back to my normal job, what am I going to do now? And luckily, I, I got a, a new job in, still with the state government. It was brilliant. Um, I was working in the cooperative and automated vehicle initiative mm. initiative um, in Queensland. they so are looking at self-driving cars, connected technology, the kind of system behind, you know, what a connected autonomous kind of system looks like, I guess. Um, so you've got the vehicles on the road, but what does that look like behind the scenes, particularly for government? Um, how is that going to look different? So it was a really great project, but I kept going back to this smart city thing, which obviously, you know, autonomous and connected vehicles fall into that category, but it was, I wanted to look more broadly, I suppose. And so I started talking to anyone and anyone that was interested or in, um, that I could see was in smart cities. And I started building uh, similar to what you were saying before about LinkedIn, using LinkedIn to connect with these people and, and have and have chats with them. But it was Getting a bit crazy, you know. I live in Toowoomba. I, I lived in Toowoomba at the time as well. Uh, I was working in Brisbane, and I was just kind of going back and forth, and then trying to work and meet all these people and do all these things. So I decided that I needed a better way to talk to people, um, and that's when I started the Smart City podcast. Not as easily as that. I decided that we need. I needed to start a podcast, so. Um, my good friend Ellen Ronald Keene, who's now my production manager, uh, we worked together and started the podcast. Uh, that was in November 2017 when we started, you know, this idea of of the Smart City podcast. And I really wanted to learn what was the main reason I wanted to start the podcast, as well as then just meet people because, as you know, like you know, you can have conversations on LinkedIn or whatever, but there's only so far you can go without actually talking to somebody, yeah. whether that's face-to-face or, you know, over Zoom or whatever. And you kind of need a reason to talk to somebody as well. So it's like, oh, hey, let's talk smart cities. And so that's why I started. But I uh, then released podcast, but I couldn't continue to be a public servant at the same time. So I left my good, secure um, government job to start the podcast.
1: Yeah, wow. And... And it's interesting that you part of what inspired you to head down that podcast route, it sounds similar to my thinking, which is, which is surprising to me. But it's like it's almost reassuring to me as well. The fact that kind of you saw the same benefit in that, you know, mm-hmm. I want to learn more about this. So, what's a method I can do that? Well, there's a platform that I can use through podcasting to have more of these conversations in a meaningful mm-hmm. way and then also share what I've learned with other people.
0: Yeah, because I started listening to a lot of podcasts mm. because I was driving a lot um, and I I went to look for a podcast on smart cities and I couldn't really find one particularly, well, definitely not an Australian-based one. Mm. Um, and then the other ones were, I don't know, just not what I was looking for or I couldn't find them or whatever. And so mm. that's when I was like, oh, well, I better just start my Make own. Like my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? It can't be that hard, can it? Yeah. Yeah, so at the same time, I guess I had to also have an income because podcasting although it's amazingly fun and awesome you can make some money off it eventually but it wasn't going to just provide me a a steady particularly an engineering um, type wage so not that that really I don't know I was probably naive and optimistic and whatever at the time I wasn't so worried about that because I guess someone asked me the other day actually about this and they're like well why did you take that risk like it Mm. just seems like a big risk to take and i said well i was willing to do anything like as in i was looking at working at a coffee shop you know if i had to
1: yeah um, to
0: pay the bills so that's when you kind of really have to release your ego because you know i was i had a title i was an engineer i was doing these amazing things um and that was one of the hardest things to actually let go of um wasn't necessarily the, the paycheck it was the 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 title and like the um identity uh, mm. and i was listening to a lot of podcasts about this at the time um and just letting go of that identity when you when you walk up to somebody at a networking event you know what do you say you say oh hi i'm zoe and i'm a yeah you know, fill in the blank Arista. and you <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. you're you know you're Pete and yep. oh what do you do you uh, and and so I started changing that language to like, oh, well, what are you interested in or what are you passionate about? And at first people are a bit like, oh, oh who's this crazy person?
1: The point that you just made that I think was really interesting, which I think um, a lot you of people suffer from on a lot of fronts is that release your ego. Like that's an awesome statement. It's a huge thing. And I think disconnecting um, your income periodically from your passion um, is sometimes necessary. Like, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are trying to, like, appropriately, like, I don't know if you've heard, I just saw the other day that, have you seen that four circles Venn diagram called, it's a Japanese thing called Ikigai?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah.
1: Right. So, yep. obviously, everyone's trying to get all four circles in together, but I don't think that can happen all the time. Like, sometimes you need to take the earned bit out and put the passion bit up and then work out a way to get them back together again, right? And it sounds like mm-hmm. that's kind of what you were willing to do, which gave you the opportunity to then make that step.
0: Mm, mm. And I also use every opportunity, which like, sounds very, maybe wanky, mm. but it's more like thinking back. And at the time I didn't think about this, but like in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. It's mm. just using all these experiences that you have as opportunities for learning yeah. um, and realizing that it's not for all, like it's not forever. Um, because I also got stuck with that as well because I was always looking for the next opportunity to be better um, than like the one I was currently in, even if it was really great. It was always like, oh, but what is this going to lead to? What am I going to do next? Um, I think I'm an engineer as well. So engineering brain, it's like you're already at the solution, which is the next step and the next step and the next step. And I'm just like, well, I need to pull that back. And it's taken me and I still fall into it. And it's, you know, I've been doing this through just so bad. 18 months now, um, having my own consultancy and having the podcast and, um, doing all these things, but I really needed to, I have a mentor that helps me because it is completely necessary to do these things. And, you know, you continue to like the advice that you give is the advice that you need most yourself. Right. And so I'm talking about these things. It's like the things that you went through to able to be able to get to where you uh, are now and then continue to, you know, improve I guess I read this thing the other day on LinkedIn, so I'll go on a tangent, which is like you have to hate yourself or something. No, you have to hate what you are to be able to, um, Mm. you know, live your best life.
1: I think I saw that too, actually,
0: yeah. It was from Sally um, Illingworth who Mm. has come on my podcast and I I, I think she's great. Um, And I just went... I really hope that we don't have to do that. I really hope we don't have to hate where we're at because I don't think that's super useful. And I think if you're running from something, then you won't necessarily end up in the right spot because you're too busy looking at, you know, looking behind you going, Oh, I need to get away from that.
1: So true. Like uh, people always talk about, it's good to have a burning platform. But sometimes, if it's burning too hot, you'll jump in any direction. <laughs> like, yes, you, you need it. Think, you need it to be burning just enough, <laughs> but not yes. so much that you make a. You know, you, you want to be able to step forward with a bit of consideration.
0: Yeah, and I think like the next step is maybe, maybe yeah, you are on a burning platform, and the next jump you take might not be. Well, it definitely won't be your last. So you mm. might need that to to get to kickstart, I suppose. And maybe that's where that hate you know, yes. the statement comes from yeah, as well. Now, it's the spark hard. rather
1: than the whole thing. Yeah.
0: Then it's like, okay, cool. Now I'm off the platform. What what where do I want to go? And and realizing that you are the only one now that is going to give the permission. Yes. And you have to continue to give yourself permission over and over and over again. Yes. Um, which is one of the trickiest parts because you just say, Oh, cool. Yep. Now I've got this. And then you go, Oh, hang on. This isn't exactly how I thought this would be. Okay. Do I just keep doing this or is, you know, okay. Well, or do I give myself permission to say, okay, I did that for, you know, three, six months or whatever. I don't know. One month, one week, whatever, but actually didn't really work. It didn't really fit that well. Okay, cool. What's the next, what's the next thing? Yeah. Um, and I think that's that entrepreneurial mindset, which I didn't realize, was a thing because I was very much an um, institutionalized student and very Mm. good at that path. So that's the path I took. Mm. Uh, Very good at school, very good at, you know, went to uni and did all those things. But I guess it made me not appreciate that business or that entrepreneurial kind of sense that I probably always had. Was sitting there Um,
1: latent. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Yeah.
0: And then until I met people that were kind of, thinking in that way or actually I don't know I guess it was when I went to Korea and then seeing not that it wasn't the entrepreneur thing but it was just like oh I'm really interested in this smart city thing how do I find more about it and then meeting these different people but what I do find is that I'm in a weird kind of triple helix situation where you know I came from the government and I still work a lot with the government now which I really enjoy because I feel like that public servant you know was always uh, in my like, I'm a public servant at heart, is what mm. I say. Um, so, that, that really um, resonates with me. But then I'm kind of in this consultant world now as well. So, I'm a consultant. Um, but then I'm also a, a startup. Mm. So, you know, I have the podcast, and I have, you know, these other products and things that I'm working on. And then kind of like bringing that all together is, is quite interesting. And I get to talk to so many amazingly, you know, passionate and different people, uh, which is where I find my most. Um, it's my happy place where I'm talking to different people from all different backgrounds because, and then making those connections between the the two or the three or the four um, different areas that don't really seem to connect at first Mm. um, or might be polar opposite, but actually being able to make those connections because I have so many different conversations with
1: people. Do you think, I often say that I don't really use my engineering anymore, um, but I actually think inherently I probably do because I've always thought that one of the things about engineering is really it's not only about problem solving, but it's about problem defining in order to then Mm. find solutions. But also it's about analysis analysis. In the core sense of that word, meaning to break things apart and then work out how they work and then put them back together again, like analysis and synthesis. Do you think that your kind of engineering kind of mind and training has had an impact on the way in which you approach approach what you're currently doing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the systems thinking that mm. that really helps me. Uh, and the fact that I can work within a lot of different systems, but also um, different structures, because as an engineer, I do enjoy structure, but I also, I'm a questioner as well. So if it doesn't make sense, I'll just continue to ask, why do we do it like that until I get a reasonable answer yeah so I think the systems approach really helps and exactly what you said the analytical um, part of my brain um, does help because I think we sometimes get caught up in being so passionate about something that we get blinded by how good this thing could possibly be Mm. but there is so much drudgery that's involved you know just day-to-day work on getting this thing or whatever it is off the ground so to life and you think about your know, smart cities projects for example uh, everyone's excited to kind of get involved in the ideation and they're doing the things and oh how amazing could this be but actually at the end of the day there's a really kind of long process mm. of project management that's involved and analysis and um, data uh, in like you know even like data entry hopefully is not too much mm. plugging into spreadsheets but if we don't have systems you know we don't if we want to, if we're just playing around with things, you know, that stuff is still involved. So I feel like that project management side of smart cities, communities, initiatives is something that we'll be really looking for because what you need is you need people passionate enough that they can see the potential to continue, like to keep going and just go, yes, this is really what we want. But then you don't want people that are so enthusiastic and I guess... um, or, I don't know, just excited by the idea rather than the actual reality of it. Because at at the end of the day, it's still life. Like, it's not going to be this magic, you know, unicorns and rainbow things (laughs) happening. It'll be a really great outcome for people that are, you know, affected by it or involved or impacted positively, hopefully. But then you're also going to have negative impacts that you need mm. to deal with. There's lots of thinking that's required because it might be great for this group, but actually it's going to diminish this group, for example, or something. Mm. Or it might have a neg- um, or it's just a neutral impact where someone thought, oh, well, I thought this was really going to change the way I could do things. So there's lots of work, I guess, and effort yeah. involved.
1: And, and, and just because it's going to yeah. be great doesn't mean that it's going to be easy so
0: no and actually usually for it to be
1: great it means that it's probably going to take some hard work
0: absolutely and um I mean it's I I guess a bit like a podcast you know you get to the end and you've got this great recording and you know we're all excited about we get to listen to it again oh that's awesome and we had a great conversation but like you and I were just talking about you know the process to actually getting a podcast up um, there's lots of things that you have yeah. to do, and they're not all super exciting right um, yeah. and there's lots of thinking involved about where where it's going to go and and all, all those type of things and everyone's excited by the end product, which is great uh, but yeah there's all these things that are really valuable and important but aren't necessarily super sexy yeah. that need to be done along the way, and yeah. we need people that are interested in those bits as well or I guess these days that multidisciplinary approach, so then we can actually um, continue the momentum of like people. We still want people to be excited. I think like you know you want to be moving along and people motivated. But then how do we continue that momentum by the but then still getting the work done as well yeah. at the end of the day?
1: I um I so earlier in the year I tried to kind of boil down a couple of key focus areas because quite often people ask me you know what's the most important thing if you want to become a business owner or if you want to um, kind of try this new project or start a business or whatever what are the what are the most important attributes what are the most important things you need to think about and so for one of any other better um, kind of framework I've kind of Boil it down to three parts, um, being courage, clarity and commitment. And so the courage bit is kind of that bit that you were talking about right at the beginning. You need to kind of release your ego and you need to just have a go and you need to know you might fail and all those kinds of things. The clarity bit is about, is kind of the engineering thing that we were talking about before. How do you actually distill all this complexity into something a bit more simple so you can break it into parts and understand it a bit better and know where you want to go next. But then the third one is kind of what you're talking about now, which is the commitment piece, which is... What are you going to do to actually make sure you can wake up each day and do the boring stuff and do the stuff mm-hmm. that isn't so sexy and kind of spend the time between the excitement of the idea and the reward of the outcome? Because in that gap, there's actually quite a lot of work that needs to be done. What do you think? I mean, you're spending a lot of time in the smart city space. And I guess from our perspective, owning a business in that space at the moment, we see kind of both sides of the equation, right? So we see, the side of the equation with the excitement, like so a lot of experts in the area and and kind of technicians and engineers and consultants in the area laying out what good looks like effectively. And then we see a lot of local governments in a variety of ways getting excited and engaged by the idea. So there's quite a few interesting pilots going on at the moment across a whole range of technologies and, and ideas and also non-technical smart cities aspects. But then equally we still see kind of tenders come out from government that specify 10-year-old technology Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: it's what they're comfortable with and it's the only thing they want to buy. Whereas, you know, the excitement is saying, let's go and try all this new stuff, but the sort of pragmatic um, kind of implementation is still saying, actually, that all sounds good, but um, if we want to know what the outcome is going to look like, we should just do what we've been doing for the whole time, like how are you seeing the market as a whole combat that evolution? You know, we're kind of at that. Have you seen the Gartner hype curve? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so we're kind of moving through that hype curve and it still feels like we're a little bit before that real adoption phase. What are you seeing in regards to that?
0: Yeah, I think the maturity of the market has really increased in the past, say, 18 months. But there's also, you know, there's always going to be pockets where you've got some really great things happening, and then you've got pockets of there's some stuff happening and some great marketing happening. Then you've got um, stuck in the old ways of this is the way we've always done it. Mm. What I have found really interesting is um, where there's say a, a you know council or you know agency that there are some really passionate people in there. That maybe don't look like your typical passionate people, but they're mm. very visionary. But they're also maybe engineers, um, very pragmatic as well. And I actually love working with those people because you get the the non kind of hype fluff version mm. of smart, yeah. the more balanced view. Yeah, and I, I think there's so much room um, for piloting and um, you know exploring new technologies as long as we share what worked and didn't work, mm. which is I think something that's not happening enough because we're so worried that if we say, oh, well, this product didn't work, that, you know, there's so many, I don't know, legalities or this or that, or, you know, the government um, being very averse to failure. Not even just the government, everybody. Like, to be honest, I, mm. I was very adverse to failure um, because of the institutions that we come through. Mm. Um, nothing against them, but, I, you know, I fit quite well into that, but I didn't want to fail. Like, I just did not want mm. to fail. And I still don't fail very well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you, we notice it in our own language. You know, it's like, oh, well, the that somebody should have done a b c d mm. why did they let this 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 happen mm. and that's our fear of failure being projected onto another project or a, a thing whereas actually we should be asking more prudent questions of oh, what did what what mechanisms did they put into place in case this did happen or what was you know even you know risk management although it's very seems very dry and boring actually that's where a lot of interesting things mm. happen because just because we have a mitigation, it's still a risk. It just lowers the, you know, likelihood of it happening. Yeah. You know, that's okay. Like that's that's the whole point of, um, you know, having a risk management system. Sounds very boring, but
1: no. Well, I, I spent <laughs> I spent ten years of my career as a risk manager, so I think it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but but I agree. It's like I always say, like just just because you wear a seatbelt doesn't mean you're not going to get injured, and equally. Yeah. Just because you've never been in a car crash doesn't mean you shouldn't wear a seatbelt, right? So I think those things are really telling of where the next evolution of an idea should head. I actually just was reflecting on something over the weekend and did a short post on LinkedIn this morning about um, failure, particularly as it relates to identifying what went right as well as, as, well as what went wrong. Like quite mm. often I find these initiatives will go ahead and because the initiative failed and it might have failed as a whole, then the kind of baby gets thrown out with the bathwater in that regard. Like suddenly everyone says, well, the whole thing is just didn't work.
0: Yeah. Let's never do that been,
1: ever again. 95% of it, they might've done everything exactly right. And there might've been 5% of it that meant that mm. the overall outcome didn't work, but actually properly analyzing that and saying, well, we can actually try this again because we did all these bits, right? So let's do all that again. And now we know that this last bit didn't work. So to your point, like what, well, what processes do we put in place? What didn't we put in place? What do we need to change? And then we just tweak that last five and might win. So, but it takes quite a lot of, well, it takes quite a lack of ego to have those conversations. And and also sometimes it takes quite a lot of ego healing time to Mm. get people in a mindset where they can have the conversation and that just delays everything for the next attempt.
0: Mm. And that's where I think what I've found is, The project initiation phase, um, you know, to say we're doing a a smart city project Mm. or even just a general project, that initial phase where we're we're meeting and greeting and getting to know people and what people's skill sets are and all those type of things is really, really, really important because we can't have these really safe conversations Mm. unless we really trust the people that are on our teams and you don't just get trust, you know, by joining a project team together. And, and I think I've learned that in the consulting world, particularly because you, you do pick and choose your team. And so you can kind of pick and choose who you want on your team, but when you don't know everybody and you know, all those skill sets or whatever, but the projects that I've found have been really, really successful are the ones where we've, we've taken the time to actually get to know each other Mm. a bit more. And, and I think that fear of failure, particularly when you're trying to prove yourself and being a, younger person I suppose is like oh well I have to know the answers to everything and and, you know do all this and I should know this and I should know that that's when we really kind of get unstuck Mm. because we try and answer everything whereas actually we just need to let somebody else take that part or whatever Mm. or we realize that we need more skills or we need to learn some more things Mm. Um, but you can't do that unless you drop the ego and just and, and it's difficult it really is hard it is. And oh, it's it's,
1: yeah. it's not easy right because we're all human um and, and i yeah. think also to your point around project teams are effectively a group of humans as well and so we can't forget the human factor in making mm. the team perform um yeah it's funny also i was i was talking to a um a group of stem uni students the other day through osmine the mining technology organization and um they were talking about networking and they were saying, oh, we're really keen to network, but we don't know what value we can bring because they kind of, they know that if you're going to be networking with people, you should bring value to new relationships. But they're like, oh, we're relatively young. We don't have all the experiences other people have. Um, you know, what value can we bring? Um, and and the, th- the thing I said to them, which is interesting because you were talking about questions before, I was saying that ultimately they'll probably be, um, people will be more impressed by the questions they ask than the answers they have to give. Um, Mm. And and I think particularly speaking to, uh, and I'll be a bit biased here, particularly speaking to engineering students, um, typically they'll have fantastic questions and they'll be questions that all of the really experienced people never ask because kind of all their answers are baked in.
0: Yeah no I totally agree and I also think that young people um, and students and whoever they add a lot of value and we need Mm. to remember that as in as us as young people or Mm. the young people really need to remember that we add value to these conversations whether they're asking questions whether they're just um, you know making statements that just seem a bit you know out of the box because we just go, oh, hang on, but I saw this thing the other day, Mm. you know, one of my friends just coded up some app or something, I don't know, whatever. Mm. Um, But even just the way we see the world. Uh, And and I think that sometimes we try and add so much value that we try, like we're too busy thinking about what we can add that we forget just us being there and being part of the conversation is adding value.
1: Absolutely. Um, Like an opinion is just, an expression of a perspective right as soon as you're here and you are looking at something you have a perspective so sharing that perspective is going to contribute right
0: Mm, mm. Yeah. yeah totally yeah and I think um like I never appreciated the value of networking until you know quite recently and we need to I guess just take it for what it is as well. It's fun, right? Mm. It's a fun thing to do, um, to meet new people. And we don't necessarily have to get something one for one out of every exchange that we have. Mm. I think I really tried to do that, particularly at the start. Like I didn't want to waste anybody's time, but I also wanted to get something out of it. Oh, better be able to do that or whatever. Whereas you have to let that go, which again, very hard. Mm. Let that go because those things will happen it's not organically, I'd like to say probably organically, but it is consistent, it is deliberate. It's it's continually thinking about, okay, ah uh, so and so said this, and oh, I did talk to somebody a couple of weeks ago about that. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll make that connection, mm. but not necessarily thinking, you know, oh, I have to tell, you know, Pete right now that oh, I'm going to connect him with this person, yeah. and then um, I've got a consulting. Oh, I've got this product that I will really love, mm. and oh, I'm going to throw all these things at him. I don't know, mm.
1: whatever. No, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's interesting you use the word organic because I, I I think it's part organic and part not. I, I quite often use the analogy of a garden. So I think in that regard, the persistent bit you are talking about is the watering of it. Like you need to continue to kind of nurture all of that network, but the actual outcomes of that will potentially be a bit kind of sporadic and organic because you, you don't yes. exactly know when that opportunity is going to arise. And it's just a matter of being there to join those dots.
0: Maybe um, it's certified organic.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So uh, I'm conscious of time because I said I wouldn't take up too much. I've just got two more questions for you just before we wrap up. Sure. Um, one was the Churchill. Yes. Um, I just, I know that you can't summarize that in two minutes because um, that would have been a pretty phenomenal experience, but what was the most surprising outcome you got from it? And then what was something that you got from it that you can now kind of take forward?
0: Yeah. So institutional fellowship so i went to nine countries in nine weeks uh researching mobility um and when i put in my application so around, it was actually around the same time i was um leaving my job starting my new consultancy uh yeah april 2018 was a very busy year a very busy month um <laughs> Uh, it was big month. So I applied for this Churchill Fellowship. And I guess when I first started applying, I was like, okay, well, will have to talk about things like autonomous vehicles and flying taxis and all these hyperloop and, you know, these sexy things that people will be interested in. Um, and one thing about the Churchill Fellowship and what I tell people when they ask me, you know, should they apply? The answer is always, yes, you should mm. apply. Um, but realize that it is about you and what you're interested in and the fact that you're interested in it adds value to other people yeah yeah it is enough exactly Mm. so and so when I you know was talking about okay I'm going to see these people and whatever you still have to make it you know uh, relevant I suppose and topical Mm. you know that really helped and I I found the process quite easy not easy it wasn't easy Uh, what's the word I knew what I wanted to say. I knew what I wanted to talk about. I knew what the project was. And then when I had the interview, I was actually really sick. Um, and so, no, no, no. which which is really interesting. It happens to me quite a lot where, uh, when I really have to focus just on one thing without anxiety, um, then my body makes me sick. So then I, I literally can't do anything else. All I can do is just go, okay, well, this is what it is. I'm just going to have to not push through even because I just know I have to write the thing or do the whatever, but there's just no, it's just like, okay, well, this is simply it. Um, so anyway, I was really, really sick, yeah. um, but I did the interview and I couldn't, you know, there was no room for anything other than mm. what I knew, if that makes sense, like right in my head, like uh, I knew what I was talking about, whatever. So I did the, um, the, the interview and then once putting my itinerary together, what I did is... Um, visited a lot of people on my itinerary was a lot of people that I'd spoken to on the podcast so I got to meet them face to face which was really exciting Um, I loved that and um, one of the things from the Churchill was yeah I guess just meeting people face to face was was excellent but it really cemented in me that I didn't um, that this building trust digitally was actually a thing and and um, because we talk a lot about you know having to like we building trust I don't think we talk about enough in remote working um which is something again from my church hill was one of my um, key areas as well is that we say oh we have to meet people face to face but sometimes that's just not possible and you mm. shouldn't hold yourself back from you know starting a partnership or starting a you know an idea together or whatever it is um just because you can't meet face to face first um so it's it's harder it's different you have to really try. I guess there's lots of effort involved because you can easily just go, oh, cool, well, I don't have to jump on that call today. I'll just go back to the real world because it actually does feel a little bit like you're in some kind of, not yeah. fantasy land, but just like this magic environment where you can just talk to anybody in the world, like what the mm-hmm. hell, that's crazy. Um, but you have to make it real, then bring it back to real. So from my Churchill, what I realize is I'm not super interested all the time in this sexy, shiny stuff of... Um, technology. It's it's interesting to me because um it's interesting to to see what it could actually enable but the technology itself I'm not super keen on diving yes. really deep and that type of thing if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah and the so I outcomes. like to keep yeah. What's yeah, going the to do outcomes. To hmm. What's it going to do for people? And hmm. also is it going to do things for people that already have a lot or hmm. are we actually going to use it for people that don 't even have access to the network now mm. um, and and what are those conversations that are going around the world um, and you know if you're doing it for people that already have sometimes that can be easier because they already know how to use the technology we can cut a ribbon we can do the things but it's actually really a hard a harder um, a challenge to because you have to bring people up to a, a, a new level mm. of um, you know, they didn't have access before. So what could access mean to them? So you have to then understand what it could mean to them, which is the yeah. outcome. So you can't just say, oh, I've got this autonomous vehicle. They'll be like, well, what the hell? What's the point of that? Like, what am I yeah. going to do with that? Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. I can drive now, whatever. I don't know. Those type of things. But so what I realized is I'm very interested in what the current transport networks look like around the world, what the problems are. And what are they saying are the problems? Um, and then what are the numbers behind those problems? Yeah. And then what are we doing about it? Or what are we, the WTF is what yeah. I call yeah. it, which is what's the future? Yeah. But then also the WTF of what the hell is going on right now? Yeah. Like there's lots of stuff going on where, we're, you know, we're in this swirling kind of wtf phase where it's just like i don't know like oh well that's good oh now it's bad and this is happening and there's so much polarization and all these things are happening but then also we're thinking okay well what is the future so i also realized that my lens like as a woman traveling alone was really important Mm. because a lot of the time that affected my ability to research mobility is what i say because i had to yeah i had to Mm. think about what i was doing like as in if it was dark I wouldn't walk to a bus stop whereas if it was during the day I would do that so I had to really and it's these things that women really um think about all the time or don't think about all the time if that makes sense so it's just ingrained that we just change our behaviors yeah um and I traveled for business like I you know it was in South Korea by myself obviously with support of other people around but um it's very safe there. Um, so you can walk around and do things, but yeah, when I was everywhere and everywhere, you had to kind of think a little bit more and, Mm. um, yeah. And and so having experiences where I'm like, Oh, I'm in a vulnerable situation. I'm going to have to change my behavior because of that. And obviously that's hindsight where you, you know, then you get the self-awareness and then you can start having these thoughts and conversations and, um, talking to other women as well. Um, these are the conversations I had, which was also really fascinating. Um, but then also, what are we going to do about it? Like being angry about it for me doesn't work. So I just go, cool, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to get in the conversation. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I really, it took me a long time, I was a bit kind of go up and down in like, um, uh, I guess, um, what's the word? Of just being okay, like traveling alone by yourself. Yes. Alone by yourself, oxymoron. Yes, traveling alone. Yes. Um, and just and, and researching the thing and, and sharing because I did a lot of sharing. Realising that I wasn't going, um, it's okay that I wasn't an expert in everything and I didn't have to know everything. But me being part of the conversation and um, adding my lens was really, really important. Um, and that was really hard to kind of come to that conclusion. Well, but that's like I one did, of those in, that's yeah. like one of
1: those imposter syndrome situations, isn't it? Like,
0: yeah, like,
1: yeah. Why, why am I here? Yeah.
0: Why am I here? And yeah. you know. Um, some people might still ask that, but yeah. that's okay. You know, yeah. and, I, and, um, doing a lot of kind of, uh, you have to, in this space and as an entrepreneur and doing all these things, you really have to do a lot of growth yourself. Mm. Um, I don't think we, we talk about business growth and all these things, but if you're not growing yourself and I do growth in a very different way to somebody else and, and you know, it's all very different, um, for everybody, but, Working out what those things are that you really need to take care of yourself, and and not even take t- taking care of yourself is one part, but then actually growing, so then you can actually continue to be part of the conversation and showing up in the way that you want to, and realizing that that's enough and that's important and that's okay, mm. and then continuing that consistent, deliberate, and and I guess persistence, like we talked about as well. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I think from the Churchill thing, the Churchill Fellowship the most unexpected was kind of realizing that my lens was really important. And also yeah. as a young, a young professional in the space as well. Mm. Um, and then I realized how important it is to have diverse voices mm. in planning, um, you know, transport planning, um, design of cities, all those type of things, because you can't possibly have the same experience as somebody else. And yes, no. you're not going to get every single experience. Like you can't, you know, there's a limit. To this as budgets and resources and all these things but the more diverse your team is planning and designing that you will just get a better outcome um, for well, everybody
1: researching mobility is like the ultimate um uh kind of execution of that walk a thousand miles in or a mile i think it is <laughs> walk a mile in yep. their shoes you know like mm-hmm. essentially what you're saying is you, you need to you can't just say haven't I got some great technology I'm just going to apply it and it's going to solve all these problems because I've looked at the nodes and I've looked at the kind of various kind of traffic volumes and I know this is going to solve it there's actually all of those constituents have a pair of shoes that they're walking in every day and every, every yeah. one of them have a perspective oh I, I prefer to travel during the day because of this but if it was like this I could travel at night all these different and like you say you as many of those perspectives as you can are actually going to inform the overall solution. It's not as simple yep. as the technology, is it?
0: Yes. Yeah, so um, when I talk about the messy bit in the middle between the technology and like the BAU of a city yeah. or a community, and I don't think we're talking about that enough in the smart city space. And the yeah. smart and the reason I started using smart community um, yeah. was because. I feel like that brings more of the human element into the conversation. It's the
1: difficult bit though, isn't it? It's the harder bit. And so that's why it's probably the the people leave behind, but it's the challenging bit, but that's probably where the great solutions are, right? They're hiding in there.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where the real transformational change is. And, And that's what really excites me. And, you know, I talk about these things being hard and challenging, but I don't know. For me, that's what I need in my life. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the exciting bit, right? Just because it's hard and yeah. it's not fun. Like, that's what makes it fun, I think. So,
0: Yeah, and, like, you just don't know the answer either, um, mm. which is the other thing, which as engineers, I don't know about you, but mm. I really struggle with that. It's uh, yeah. like, oh, but the answer must be somewhere. Yeah, exactly. sometimes, oh, there's a
1: solution. Just because, I mean, it's I think it's, it's um, arrogant to think there's not a solution because you can't find it. It means <laughs> you need mm. to look harder and do some more work. So, but also absolutely. the
0: solution isn't the solution is fluid a lot of the time mm. um because like what a solution could be useful right now might change um, yeah. and that's where that entrepreneurial thing comes in as well like you might have found something really great but then the next you know you might try it for a little while but then you go oh actually that's for these or you might not even know the reasons but that's just not working okay well we'll leave that and we'll come to back move. to it later yeah, yeah we'll, and then we'll go again and so i talk about like mobility, you don't solve mobility because it's like life. It's yep. different for everybody. It moves, it changes, um, and you don't solve life. You live mm. it. And I think mm. living mobility, which I guess, you know, is what I tried to do, which is not only was I researching mobility, I had to actually be mobile um, mm. the whole time to get around. Um, yeah. And 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 those experiences were ones that I talk about quite a lot, um, yeah. you know, just... how 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 I moved around but yeah so I guess the Churchill Fellowship has really given me a platform now to speak um I think I had some kind of platform before and obviously the podcast but now I I feel like what I do with the Churchill research is I the way I wrote my report I suppose is so that everybody can read it you don't have to be an engineer you don't and but a CEO and We'll get something out of it and that's what I like to think about the podcast as well the CEO of a company can get something out of it as well as a community member um, yeah. who's interested in active transport or something or just fantastic. wants to know what's going on in the space
1: that's fantastic so just to just to wrap it up what's 2020 look like for you it's big yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> very big yeah so for the last kind of 12, 18 months. Um, and even before that, you know, building my speaking, uh, career. Um, and that's what I want to do. I've always been a, uh, an entertainer or a performer, I suppose. Um, but I definitely, I, I did those things while I was at school, but then fell very much into maths and science and and doing all those things in the, I don't know, the real world or the real stuff. And that, Even that language, I had to remove from my brain because the creativity and the curiosity that I'm um, experiencing now, I love it, but it's been very hard to transition Um, using the engineering brain and the mind, you know, the systems and all those things, but then actually allowing myself to be creative. Mm. um, And, you know, it's okay to get paid to be creative as well. Um, That's also something that's been quite. Uh, a struggle for me to kind of move into that space where I had thought I had to be super technical to add value Mm. um so yeah 2020 we've got 2020 vision yeah we are creative we're clear and we're curious um and so it's going to be very curious very creative in 2020 so you'll see lots more of me um out there in the world and also clout so I'm very keen on being a futurist that also does the work um like we spoke about so some may ask how are you going to fit all that in um that is also a good question
1: that's uh, i'm sure you'll work it out i like that so so (laughs) creativity curiosity and then just to round it out some clout that's perfect yeah that's awesome awesome well thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it like it was such a fun conversation and i think there's a little bit of me that always enjoys speaking to another engineer because i think the the brains kind of operate in a relatively similar way. So thank you so much, like so much good value in there. And it was really good to finally connect and hope we can in 2020 convert the digital to the real, um, and catch up.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds great. And I'll definitely let you know when I'm down South and yeah, if people want to uh, reach out to me, feel free. Zoe at mysmart.community. So you can find out all the things there and obviously, I'm very active on LinkedIn, um so please add me there as well.
1: Perfect.